This is the story of how Australia and the world are facing transformational change at a rapid pace. From shifts in geopolitics, economic uncertainty, climate change, disruptions to democracy, rapid leaps and bounds in technology, and social unrest. We've seen a lot happen in the global economy in the past few years. It has forced nation states to reevaluate nearly all aspects of how they function, especially as economic and social change that used to take decades now occurs in much tighter timeframes. There are certainly many challenges we face, but there are also great opportunities for those who are able to develop solutions and be better prepared to navigate a fast-changing world. So in the near future, how will we trade, how will we work, rest and play? What's the future of work, the future of finance and the future of living itself? I'm Tim Harcourt and welcome to The Great Transformation. During the COVID-19 pandemic, we saw major shifts in how we trade around the world. With China locked down, manufacturing being brought back onshore and new trade realignments. But is this just temporary or are we heading towards a new world trade order? And what does this mean for global supply chains and logistical challenges? I will speak to one expert who will help us chart the course. My guest today is Christine Holgate. Christine is the Chief Executive of Team Global Express, having held similar roles at Australia Post and Blackmores. She's also an inaugural chair of the board of the Australian ASEAN Council and a board member of the Collingwood Football Club. Christine Holgate, welcome to The Great Transformation. Nice to be here. So what does the world of international trade look like post-COVID? Well, it's still continuing to boom and it's still full of absolute complexities, but I guess that's exciting. You've played a big role with the Australia-ASEAN Council. How do you see ASEAN with Australia as opposed to China, North Korea, Japan, some of the traditional Northeast Asian partners? Well, ASEAN is becoming increasingly an important trading partner, but also opportunity for Australia. You know, it's right on our doorstep and it's, they've got significant economic growth. And I think if we just look for a minute about how our population is changing – and we look at the 700,000 people who moved here, when we look at that and we look at the top six countries of where people moved to Australia in the last year, actually three of them are from Southeast Asia. So I think the more that we have people moving to this country from the region, it's going to build those ties stronger. So I think it's a really big opportunity for us as a country. And two-thirds of our entrepreneurs are born overseas, one and two exporters. So surely that's an opportunity, the immigration program in itself. The immigration program is, look, as soon as somebody comes from another country, they have a link back still to that country. And we've seen so often with Australian businesses is that when you've got someone in your business who's got that link, then often that builds trade with that country because they've got the knowledge, they've got the language, they understand the culture, and all of those things are really important when you're trying to do business with a country. A lot of people talk about defence and geopolitical risk and, and different strategic issues, and they've taken up trade diversion as a bit of a mantra. 
Do you think trade diversion works or do you think ultimately we end up working with all parties no matter what the geopolitical risk? Well, I think it is interesting because clearly we went through a period of time until recently where that took a strong place. But if we actually look at the numbers, they defied it. So when Australia was, we're going through COVID, our two-way trade fell 5%. Actually, our trade with China still grew 6.5%, I think it was. So despite all those geopolitical issues, actually, we continue to trade with those countries. And they're very important to us. And I think so often, people-to-people trade actually works independent and... um but no, I think they're a very, you know, Asia is a very important trading partner to us. There are issues, of course, geopolitics, geopolitical tension and trade. There are also issues with logistics during COVID, um, just physically. Have a lot of those logistical sort of issues been overcome now post-COVID? In COVID, there were significant logistics issues internationally. And some of those issues were because borders got closed. So the fact that Europe just completely closed its borders to us for a period of time, some of those issues were just actually a lack of capacity to be able to move freight across the world. As we came through COVID, we then got faced with new challenges. You know, we had the UK and Russia um, situation, and who knew that Ukraine actually made semiconductors so, which actually made vehicles really hard to get hold of. But also you saw a huge surge in the oil price. So you then got faced with a different challenge. And then, of course, we saw um, oil prices come back down again. And we saw a real glut of capacity coming in. And the global freight forwarding industry started to have huge issues. And now, more recently, with the Israel-Hamas situation, We've seen the oil price surge up. So I can honestly tell you doing trade internationally has been a roller coaster. And for issues that just normally in the previous 10 years, we just wouldn't have been faced with. We've got the issue of food shortages with Ukraine out of action because of Russia, Ukraine. Uh, We have gas being shut off from Europe and now Germany looking to Australia for green hydrogen. And on top of that, the Middle East and the shock to oil. Do you think Australia is actually well positioned given our agricultural and our energy supply to the world? I think we are extremely fortunate living in Australia. We do have a really good basis of resources and things that we sell. And it's not all iron, oil and coal. You know, we actually, as you know, are huge producers of wheat and cotton, which are all also critical. And we have a very strong agriculture industry here. But we shouldn't forget that actually 44% of our economy is based on international trade. We manuf- we're large receivers of, of manufactured finished goods. And so when we do, and also foreign direct investment in this country, a lot of that comes from the US and Europe. So when these other places have challenges it does have a ripple impact on us and we are a trading nation and so if there are trade issues in the world it does impact us perhaps not at the same extent 
to other countries closer to those issues. But we, you know, I know it's a beautiful sunny day today, but the fact is they do cause challenges for us. Now, despite putting the geopolitics to one side, we do have this big challenge of of climate change and climate innovation that we've looked at at the Great Transformation. Team Global Express, you've got some new deals, I think, in rail with Orion and um, battery-operated trucks. How did they come about and how's that changing your business? Well, if you think about our industry, 20% of all carbon emissions in this country come from heavy, come from transport, 18% from heavy transport. And so as a, you know, one of Australia's largest intermodal heavy transport companies, we're probably a large emitter. And so what could be a massive risk, we decided to embrace it and try to be at the forefront of leading that change. And so our partnership with Arena to do the largest trial, I'm told the largest trial in the world, although that really would need to get evidence, on 60 heavy electric vehicles. Um, we're doing that in partnership with Volvo and Daimler and with the support of Arena. That could be game-changing because nobody knows that these heavy vehicles can actually move to electric. And so it has to, we have to find out, do they work in this country? Our terrain is different. The energy powers are different. So that's awesome. And our partnership with Horizon, which is quite a second footprint of rail capacity across the country, both east to west and north to south, gives us the opportunity to offer more freight options on rail. Now, one kilo of freight in rail is 70% less carbon emissions than on a, on a truck. The only thing is you have to use the truck to get on and off the rail. So you have rail, you have road, sea and so on. In Australia, we face a lot of things that we've seen, you know, bushfires and floods and different natural disasters. How do you, you know, how do you keep the supply chains going given those sort of na- na- nature shocks to the system? I guess we're quite lucky, actually, Tim, because we are truly an intermodal um, business. And what that means is we've got trains, ships, planes, trucks. And I think if we just look back two years ago, you know, we saw the unusual situation of Queensland, North Queensland, being isolated because of the floods and the rail and the road. You saw South Australia and Western Australia. And all the challenges is how did we keep moving food across the country? When the rail and the road wasn't working, we could fly things in. And so we we just use that network to be able to create resilience for our customers and make sure the trade keeps moving across the country. So do you think because of COVID and the d- disruptions to supply chains that you run your business very differently now than before? I think probably most businesses run very differently than before. I think what we've seen is just constant since in the year 2000s, every year we've had a new challenge we've had to face into. And as an industry, of course, when COVID happened and we saw a lot of people leave Australia, there's a shortage of drivers. We've had AdBlue as an issue. <laughs> I don't think anybody would have even thought about that. We've seen surging oil prices coming down and going up again. We've seen these huge cost swings in um, global freight forwarding. 
all of those things has created big issues for our organization. And I think what we've had to do is just prove to be far more agile. And uh, I think, you know, really, if you look back, now it feels like the 1990s were so stable. Um, but yes, we run it very differently. So we've learned, you know, that these big challenges can come as external shocks and you have to, you have to respond. I think, you know, one thing COVID taught us, nobody had on any risk register in any organisation that COVID was going to close down, close down the world in, in terms of trade and people movement. And yet we all survived in the main and uh, it taught us how resilient we can all be, but how agile you need to be to be able to react to changes. And I think what we've seen since COVID it's a constant set of new challenges, you know, the rise in interest rates, fuel pricing, fuel shortages, all of these different things has created new challenges. But we all managed through COVID, so I'm sure we can manage through these. I remember you being a big advocate for free trade agreements, and before COVID we thought they were risky. What would you say now about free trade agreements, given what we've been through? I personally continue to believe they're critically important, and I think you know, sometimes they're more important than the agreement themselves because they're a very strong symbol of diplomatic relations between two countries and they enable you to build trade. I know that when we were talking about chapter the Chinese Free Trade Agreement, which I think was back in 2015 now, there was a lot of people concerned about, you know, increasing our trade with China. I think, you know, what people didn't see is that a lot of the products that we sell to China actually come from rural and regional Australia and they create jobs there, really important jobs in tough parts of our country, which are the backbone. And, you know, for me, it's really great to see that that trade has continued and those jobs have not just been protected, but there are more jobs in those communities. So I continue to believe they're very important. You and I have sort of, you know, lived and worked through this rise of Australia and Asian engagement, the, the tyranny distance turning into the power of proximity. Do you think this will continue? And, and what are the great challenges between Australia with its Asian engagement looking into the future? I think what we've seen in the, really in the last year or so is um, we have a foreign minister who has a Asian heritage, speaks Asian languages, and actually an, an, Aust- an Australian mum. From and Adelaide. From Adelaide, of course. And I think her uniqueness has enabled us to build an even stronger cultural relationship um, with Asia. And I wouldn't underestimate the importance of that, that people, you know, have that respect. And you have seen an improvement in our standing with Asia. And I think that's really important to continue to build those trade opportunities because that's what's going to create jobs here in Australia. We're a country of circa 25 million people with a landmass. I think you can get the UK seven times into Queensland. And so, and we've got a third of the population <laughs> of the UK. We, we need to grow. And we need to grow because we're also an aging population. So we need the economic growth. And with that growth comes many benefits, including 
really important GST contributions, so which pay for our hospitals, pay for our schools. So I'm, I'm actually an optimist. For me, I think the biggest challenge um, that Australia faces with trade with Asia is some of the different challenges happening in the world from a geopolitical situation. Yeah. And the relationship that Australia, our trading nations, our Asian, our sovereign protection and our historic foreign direct investment, which is really the root of a lot of our companies, are European and American. Mm-hmm. And so if you, we end in a situation where the Americans seem to be supporting one position and Asia supports another, that's going to be one of our biggest complexities. Christine Holgate, thanks for being on The Great Transformation. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode on World Trade. It's clear that there are major challenges for international trade and logistics due to pandemics, geopolitical unrest, oil shocks and natural disasters. But despite all of this, we've managed to muddle through. Our trade with Asia in particular looks to be a major opportunity for Australia and a lot of our improving political relationships in the region. A special thanks to our knowledge partners at Baker McKenzie for making this series possible. I'm Tim Harcourt and this has been The Great Transformation.